I've got an exciting one for you today, folks, as ESPN college baseball analyst and D1Baseball.com contributor Mike Rooney joins me. This is Dinger Derby. Welcome to Dinger Derby, the official podcast of RedRaiderDugout.com, the only website completely devoted to Texas Tech baseball. Join Keith Patrick twice a week for team news, guests, ranking updates, and game reports. We'll be hitting taters with the Red Raiders from opening weekend all the way through Omaha. This is Dinger Derby. Well, Runes, thank you so much for giving me some of your time today and for hopping on the pod. Very excited. Excited that you've joined D1 Baseball and excited that you're here with me. And I want to dive right in and talk to start about your background, because your perspective is, is a really important part of what I want to talk about today. So just let my folks know, you know, they've seen you at the College World Series on the field, but tell us a little bit more about playing at Notre Dame and moving through your coaching career, some of the things that you've been a part of. You know, so my background is in college baseball. I grew up in the, in the Philadelphia area in the Northeast, and I was going to Notre Dame for college um, just academically, my dad had gone there like that was, you know, Irish Catholic family, like that was a big deal for us. And just, you know, and I'd played, you know, football and baseball in high school. And coincidentally, when I got to Notre Dame, Pat Murphy had, uh, taken over as the head coach there as a really young guy. Like he was 28 when he got the job at Notre Dame. And, you know, I mean, Pat Murphy's had, you know, a, a hall of fame college baseball career, and now he's the bench coach for the Brewers. So, you know, when we were at Notre Dame, this had everything to do with Murph. He he got us good really fast. Um, we You know, my four years, we won 46 games a year. We played in the NCAA tournament my freshman and my senior year. You know, Craig Council was my teammate for four years. So, you know, that kind of launched, you know, I was just a pure walk-on, like utility player walk-on. Um, but, you know, just that experience is kind of um, – you know, it helped me have a life in college baseball. So I went back, I was a high school coach where I went to school in the Philadelphia area. Just, you know, sometimes the, you know, you're just blessed. And I had dumb luck. I had two first round picks as a high school coach in <laughs> suburban Philadelphia for four years. And no you know, then, then I, I, I went to long story short is I, I, I got the job back with Murph at Arizona state as the volunteer got to be there for six years. And, um, you know, just same thing, just, you know, we got to coach 19 kids that played in the big leagues and some famous kids like Dustin Bedroya and Andre Ethier and, you know, became a junior college coach. And then in the midst of all that, the broadcasting thing started happening. And so, yeah, it's just been kind of this wild, crazy, um, uh, you know, unpredictable ride in college baseball. But I think the biggest thread for me is it's something I've loved my whole life. And to be able to work in the game is really an incredible blessing. Absolutely. And and you've gotten to see it grow as you've gone along too, runes. And I mean, and, and I don't want to pass it by too quickly because nothing will endear you to a Texas tech fan more than talking about coaching in junior college and working your way through the ranks and that kind of stuff, riding the bus. And, you know, coach Tadlock, one of his greatest stories is about burning the field before a, a playoff series, just to, just to keep the frost away, that kind of thing. But tell us just a little bit about those, those JUCO years for you. And, and I mean, how different that is coming from an Arizona state to, well, it was Phoenix college. Is that right? Yes. That's it. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, I mean the, so I've, I've been 
you know, again, so fortunate. I've coached at an Arizona State, which is, you know, like borderline pinnacle of the sport. Sure. And I've coached high school in the cold and I've coached <laughs> junior college in the south. And I, I think that what I tell people about junior college baseball all the time is it is, first of all, it's so underrated. It, it was one of the greatest experiences of my coaching life. You know, those three years, the relationships I have with those kids, um, you know, really proud of what we accomplished. You know, Phoenix College hadn't had a winning season in a long time when we got there. And, and you know, it, it's, it, it is a tough place. But, you know, the, the, um, my, my last year there in 20, 20, uh, 2008, we did have a winning season. We won the state of Arizona for Division Two. We got to go to the Super Regionals. So, but I would tell people that junior colleges, it really is a, a baseball buffet. I mean, <laughs> it, the only the only difference is you got to shop for the food, you got to cook the food, you eat the food, then you got to clean up after yourself. Like there is nothing handed to you. But no frills. It is, yeah, no frills at all. But I'll tell you, there's really good players, and you play every single day. You know, I, I was talking to someone about this recently, where. Back then, we would play 20 fall games, 56 in the spring, and every day we weren't playing, we were inter-squad. And it was it was really cool to see. And, and you know, again, I, I came from Arizona State, and I knew the league was good, but, I, you know, I was fairly confident that we could get things going, you know, pretty quickly. And my first year just got it handed to us. We were 18 <laughs> and 36. And then my second year, we made a massive improvement. We went from 18 and 36 to 18 and 35. So... You know, it's it's no joke. I mean, there's good players, and 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 so I, you know, I, I we can get into this, but I think I think part of Tad's success at Texas Tech is, you know, there, there's really a, a junior college vibe to the program, and I mean that as a high high compliment. I, I don't, you know, for me personally. I don't look down at junior college baseball at all. I think very highly of it. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into Texas Tech a little bit later, but I, I still want to dig into your perspective. I mean, coming into Notre Dame in 89 – playing multiple years coaching at different levels and it's so cool to get to get to go back and coach at your high school alma mater I mean I'm sure that was great experience did you teach while you were coaching I did I was I got the job as a, I was a fundraiser first uh-huh. then I was a math teacher um, and then you know uh, you know I was an assistant coach and then the head coach for baseball and you know it was it, it, that's it was you know early 20s fun time in your life i was the pa guy for the football team <laughs> yeah coached yeah. a junior varsity basketball team at a local high school um and and you know of course that it malvern prep where i went and of course i'm biased it's a really cool place it's i think it's a really special place it's it's one of those all guys catholic high schools um it's got a really neat tradition um and then you know the baseball thing was just you know i show up i'm 24 years old and our catcher is Ben Davis, who goes second overall in the 1995 draft. And it's something that I can still have a lot of fun with because we literally had the best high school player in the country. It's suburban Philadelphia. It's not like I was coaching in Houston, Texas, where it's a hotbed. Right. And we went 14 and 11. And it felt like we finished 100th in our league. You know, <laughs> but, you know, ben, ben was the best pitcher in the state, but we decided not to pitch him because, you know, there was too much at stake. And, while that was a great decision, it was a very hurtful decision for our one-loss record. Yeah, but there's no more respect that I think you can give, especially to a baseball coach at basically any level below major league when you're making decisions for kids. 
as opposed to making decisions solely for the wins and losses. I think that's very respectable. I do color for our radio broadcast for for baseball here at Friendship, and I've seen those decisions made by our head coach, who also played here, went on to Texas Tech, and then came back to coach. And I always have to give him the, that credit. You know, you go into a playoff series, it's high stakes, it's winner take all, and you're not going to overpitch guys. Where we watch opponents do that very thing and you struggle with it. So kudos to you, though, for, for making the right call for a kid. Yeah, I will say this, Keith. It looks really good before the season starts. It looks, you know, it it's, looks great 20 years later when we're telling <laughs> stories over an adult beverage. But in the midst of it, when your number one pitcher's throwing 72 miles an hour and your catcher's throwing 93 back to him, it doesn't feel as good. So, but but yes, in retrospect, very glad we made. And that. there's some there's some people in the stands going, "What are you doing?" That's right, my dad included. Yeah, no doubt. All right, well, so that perspective, as I said, coming all the way through the sport, getting into ESPN in 2009, and now you're part of the World Series crew. Everybody's seen you in the bucket hat on the field at the College World Series. If folks out there listen, if you're not listening to the D1 Baseball Podcast, you need to be. It's a lot of fun between Fit and Kendall and and Runes now joining in and, and lots of great info de- delivered in fun ways. last one I listened to was Jeopardy. And uh, I would nice. love to just hear, I, one, you get a title every time. I think the last title was Baron. I want to name you President Rooney. And uh, <laughs> I mean, hey, we just came off an inauguration Politics aside, doesn't really matter. Inauguration Day, transfer of power is a great day for America and democracy. So you're President Rooney, you're President of Baseball. I don't need your executive orders. I'm more interested in just your state of baseball. What have you seen grow and change over the years? And uh, well, maybe a couple executive orders. What would you change right off the bat if you had that power too? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's it's one of those complicated things, Keith, where like a lot of conflicting things can be true at the same time. You know, I think the first thing I would say is, boy, our game has grown so magnificently over the last 30 years. And, you know, it's something really, I guess you could say over the last 40 years, you know, the eighties were a real golden age and then the game just kept growing and growing. And, you know, I, I would say in many ways, really proud of where our sport is today. But I would also say that I think we're at a real inflection point. You know, I think, Major League Baseball is clearly looking to college baseball as part of the development process, an important part of it. You know, I, I think the the draft is never going back to 40 rounds. You know, we, we might be fortunate if it goes back to 20 rounds, I think. And so that puts that's going to send, you know, more and more really talented players to college baseball first. And so, you know, I, I think that's a huge opportunity for our sport. You know, ESPN is super geeked up about college baseball. When I started with them in 2009, college baseball was just a real afterthought. And and now it's something they're truly genuinely excited about. That's another opportunity. Well, and on that but note, I, on that note too, oh, Runes, now there yeah. are college baseball guys broadcasting mm-hmm. college baseball. And I think that really speaks to a paradigm shift where before you said, oh, we'll throw some MLB guys in there to cover this thing. And now you've really got a college baseball crew and guys like KP that are really being in the perspective of the differences of the game rather than constantly comparing to the major league game. And there are differences. No question. Yeah, that 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 is the, the games are very different. And, and I think you and I agree on that, that we should always, you know, uh, comparing college baseball to to major league baseball is a fool's errand. It's, you know, we should celebrate college baseball for what makes it unique and, and, and an incredible experience for those players. But I will tell you, Keith, my concerns about college baseball, and I guess this can lead me into my 
executive orders, if you will. <laughs> Absolutely. Is, um, you know, I, I'm concerned that athletic directors are fatigued on baseball. You know, our coaching community, uh, and I, I really kind of consider myself one of them. Is you know, we are very entrepreneurial. We are very aggressive. We, you know, we have great, we have grand dreams for our game. And I, I feel like a lot of athletic directors have kind of backed off baseball. Um, I, I just think they're, they're, you know, they're very nervous about finances and college athletics in general with the NIL stuff going on. And, you know, I, I think the, the, uh, the paying the volunteer was a real, you know, or should be a real wake-up call for our sport. And so, you know, I, I think one of the biggest things we have to do is we have to get athletic directors excited about our sport again and I think the single best way to do that is, and it's this is not my idea, it's just an idea that I really believe in, is the 32 hosts idea where we expand the NCAA tournament. First of all, I think we should expand to 72 teams instead of 64 because we don't have an NIT tournament. But on top of that, the 32 hosts idea is everything is a three-game series until Omaha. And I just the, the thing we would be doing there is we would be bringing our best product, which is the NCAA tournament, to 32 campuses every single year. And because and I've heard so many coaches say, my AD really didn't get excited about college baseball until we hosted our region, uh. our first regional. And, you know, they get it in their nostrils. They get their, their whole town is excited. Um, and, and so they can see it, they can hear it, they can smell it. And so I think it's a really, I think that's step one. And then, you know, very shortly, if we can start to build some momentum, we have to get past 11.7 scholarships. Yeah, That is going to be a real deal breaker. You know, it's only for so long that Major League Baseball is going to send us good players or, you know, shorten their draft and let us have good players before they're starting to think like, well, but you're only giving that kid 30%. Like, we might as well just sign them and put them in the minor leagues. So Mm -hmm. I, I think we have got to get over the scholarship part. Yeah, I hundred percent agree with you on that, Runes, and and it's no secret, at least to my audience, you know, I got in a little Twitter beef with Kendall and and Fit, and that's how I first got to know those guys, or well, Kendall specifically. He's been on the show a couple times since, but you know, we're in different places on the paid assistant, but I think that I'm very much in the single school viewpoint, and you guys are seeing these other athletic directors that you're talking about, and I think that yeah, growth in the sport it couldn't be any more important right this moment, you know, and this is, I think mm-hmm. you're, you're saying it right. It's the inflection point. And from that Texas tech standpoint, this thing blew up when the red Raiders earned the super regional after going down and winning in Coral Gables. And yep. that's when the fans really got invested and it had been a long time, you know, and Larry Hayes had some success over the years. The format was different, but that was really when the town blew up for baseball and got so invested and it has continued since but yeah, I think those are really insightful things. And I'd love your thoughts too. And if anybody hasn't read it, I'll make sure and, and get it posted up on the website. Thoughts about that plan that came from Eric Backich and, and the the proposed changes, anything else in there that you wanted to mention? Yeah, I think it's, I like the idea very much, you know, because this idea, Eric has done the best job, I think, of cleaning it up and advancing the idea. But, you know, truth be told, the idea has been around for 40 years. You know, the, I feel like Gary Ward way back in the day was talking about this and how you know, if Oklahoma and Oklahoma State played in the summertime, you know, it's hard to even say how big of a stadium you would need for that. But if they're going to play in March and 30 degrees, then that's going to be problematic. But, you know, the thing Eric did was he put it in terms of the South. He put it in terms of finances. I, I would say this. I think four weeks is 
a little extreme. I think maybe two weeks and then adding, you know, because the 32 hosts idea is going to require an extra week. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, move the season back to March 1st. Uh, and then and then add another week for the 32 hosts idea. I think that probably makes the most sense. The problem we have right now is obviously we just you know we're kind of frozen with tr- you know schools trying to get their arms around the the, the pandemic and and right. the NIL. There's so much unknown but, right now, especially financially. Yeah. And and just to clarify, you're you're talking about the proposal to move the College World Series back four weeks, which allows the beginning of the season to move back four weeks, allowing northern schools less time on the road early in the season where right now they're really on the the road for a solid month because of the weather. Yeah, it, it's, you know, I, the, the analogy I've used quite often is that, you know, if you're an AD in some of these northern regions, you know, the baseball program is almost like this rock and roll band that you sponsor but never see play, you know, because they're on the road so much and it's not cheap to travel. Uh, and, you know, like May is a month where the weather almost nationally is very, very good. But May is when we're wrapping up our season. I'd like to see us play more regular season baseball during the month of May. But I, just to put a bow on it, Keith, I, I, I think one of the reasons why I, I really believe we have to take a long look at Eric's you know, um, new model proposal is because when you look at baseball, the two leagues that are most in the way of us growing the game and passing legislation are the Big 12 and the Big 10. And that makes no sense on the Big 12 side because it's such an outstanding baseball league. And it's, you know, that we've got ADs building stadiums. But, you know, Joe Castiglione at Oklahoma, who is, you know, one of the nation's very best athletic directors, but he is not pro baseball as far as growing the sport. He's willing to support baseball, but only at the current level. And then, you know, the the Big 10, same thing. You know, it's that they, they, they vote no on everything. And so, this proposal, the new model, I think helps the Big 12 and the Big 10 more than any other leagues. And I, I think we have to be smart about that. Like if we can engage those leagues um, at a higher level, that is good for the whole sport, in my opinion. Yeah, there's no bigger issue for the Big 10 than moving the season back. And that would certainly grease the wheels maybe of some greater cooperation. You know, you guys as broadcasters, as journalists at the national level have kind of been put in a place to be the spokespeople for college baseball. I mean, you're the ones that have to kind of carry the torch of these positive changes and not just tell the story, but kind of help drive it forward. I think that's a little bit unique, you know, and, um, and from Kendall to KP to, you know, kind of a lot of guys at at D one, especially has had to do that. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, just uh, being in the position, I mean, it's a positive to be able to do that, but uh, a little bit unique, I think, in journalism to be the ones that that have to drive that conversation. Yeah, I would say, I mean, for me personally, I love it because it it makes me feel like part of the coaching community still. And I think it's harder on people like Fitzy and Kendall who are, you know, like they are real journalists. Sure. Uh, you know, I I am not a journalist. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 would, I would fail that test miserably. But, you know, it, I, so I think it, it's really fun because – in, in a way, I, I, I love the game of college baseball. I, I it, you know, it just kind of hardwired into me. I've had such a great experience in the game. So for me to get to tell the story of why I love it is something that I, I, I love doing. You know, it's something that gives me great pleasure. I, I would say, though, um, you know, where I have to catch myself is, you know, you can catch yourself getting really frustrated at maybe you feel something that, there, you know, progress that's going too slow or things that you that make perfect sense to me but are, are just not happening. So, 
you know, I, I do have to be careful that I don't, um, you know, like at my core, what I really am is a college baseball fanatic. Sure. And so I have to maintain, you know, I, I can't let that frustration um, get away from me. But, you know, to the, to the you know main point of your question, it, I, you're right. It is really unique. And I do look at I, I think of that as a very important part of the job is helping average sports fans see why we all love this game so much. Um, but it's, it's something that, uh, man, I feel so blessed to do it. It's, it's, uh, I love it. I want to ask you one final question before we get to some Texas tech things. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the announced change this week for the college world series. It was billed as a change in format, really more of a change in scheduling, getting the final three game series to a weekend. And that potential third game of that series would be on a Monday. So it closes in some gaps throughout the week, which as an attendee, over the last few years, that can be a long stretch waiting for your team to play, especially between like a Monday, Thursday. Yeah, I would say the positives are almost infinite. You know, it's the playing back-to-back weekends makes a ton of sense. The game three of the finals being on a Monday night is, you know, it's very traditional for college athletics, right? Football plays their title game on a Monday, typically. Basketball does as well. So I think that makes a ton of sense. I think starting in on Friday is, yeah, that's a really cool idea too. You know, it's, that makes a ton of sense. I think the only downside, and I think this is really minor, is it just puts a little bit more onus on the coaches to manage pitching responsibly. And, you know, I say that, but then I also think that it means that, you know, we're completing the College World Series in about 10 days which, you know, in essence, if you're a coach that wins it all, you're playing a regional and then a super regional and and the regional and super regional rounds complete in 10 days. So mm-hmm. I don't think it's a an issue at all. I mean, it's the only it's really nitpicky of me to even point that out. But uh, I think the benefits of playing back to back weekends far outweigh that you know, possible negative. Absolutely. And from a, just a attendee standpoint, 800 and something miles from Lubbock to Omaha flights are tough to get during the college world series, especially when you're not in a major hub and it can be a challenge. I mean, 15 days off work to go up there and watch baseball is fun, uh, but it's a big ask, you know, and mm-hmm. for families and everybody else. So you hone that down to 10 days and uh, you're not forced in the middle trying to get back and forth if that's necessary or whatever it is, or just to flat out say, hey, I'm going first weekend and then going to have to cut this thing out no matter what we do, and that's no fun for anybody. So great for the fan engagement, I think. So I would love, Runes, to hear from you, and I only have a couple of Texas Tech questions, and one of them's again, that perspective. Tim Tadlock comes to Texas Tech in 2011 as an assistant coach coming from Oklahoma. He is the recruiting coordinator, takes over when Dan Spencer leaves the next year. In his opening press conference, this is a favorite of Lubbock Media to talk about, says, why not us? Why not us being at College World Series? Why not us competing uh, at a high level? 2014, first College World Series in the program history, have gone four times in six years since, had a really strong team in 2020, another one of those heartbreaker stories of the year. From your perspective, being the guy at the series, what have you seen from that outsider view? And is there a comparison? Other teams that have done similar things over the years that you've been watching? Yeah, that's a good question. I have to, I have to think while I'm talking about the comparison. You know, I think the thing that's really interesting about tech is that, and you you alluded to it a second ago, is, you know, this has been a long time, really good college baseball program. You know, Coach mm-hmm. Hayes, they always had good teams at tech under Coach Hayes. They just never broke through to Omaha, 
And, you know, back in that time period where he, he had those six team regionals, which were absolute gauntlets. I'm not saying it's easy to get to Omaha now. You could argue it's harder than it's ever been. But, though, you know, it, it just for whatever reason, Coach Hayes' teams never broke through. And then, you know, if you follow Tim Tadlock's career, which is kind of tricky to do, right? Because the guy would rather cut off a limb than talk about himself. Yeah, no doubt. But yeah. if you go back and, and look at his career, I mean, incredible um, career as a junior college coach, amazing what he accomplished at Grayson. And then, you know, if you look at some really bright spots in the Oklahoma program, Tads is right there in the middle of that as an assistant coach. And then, you know, he took over Tech. And, and you know, I, again, it's so interesting, like, to get to Omaha that quickly, that is um, – you know, I, I don't want to call it a fluke, but that's that's kind of uh, th- that's that's abnormal to get sure. to Omaha that quickly, right? And and it took upsetting a team like a Miami in a road regional, which is not your kind of standard going through the front door type of thing. But you know, I, I would say outside looking in, it, you know, it, it's almost like I guess if I was to compare Tech to somebody, the program that is a little bit top of mind for me is Cal State Fullerton, where. And the reason I say that is because I think Tim Tadlock, his vision for the identity of a college baseball program, first of all, it is, it's really sharp, but it is perfect for Texas Tech. And he assembled the perfect coaching staff for it. It, it reminds me of Fullerton because just watching Fullerton teams, coaching against them, it's like the kids' names change, but the program never does. Now, you know, and again, just to be clear, Fullerton's had tougher times recently. But I'm talking about Fullerton in the heyday. And and that's what tech reminds me of. It's, you know, it's 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 all steak, it's less sizzle, it's you know, <laughs> there's a real blue collar mentality to it. Yeah. Um, you know, again, it, it just the alignment in the program is so spot on. Yeah, the 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 kids that that they get fit perfectly for the type of baseball they want to play. You know, I think J. Bob Thomas and Matt Gardner are the perfect assistant coaches for Tads. Um, yeah, it just I guess Fullerton is what I compare it to because it just, you know, it, it, it's it's just they play really good baseball. You know they're going to be there, um, and it's just it's just a fit. It's just the perfect fit. It really is, and of course he's an alum, you know, so coming back home and, and that gives you a lot of good feelings and everything, but he's a guy that he opened that opening press conference that way. The press conference when Texas Tech made it to Omaha in 14, that's brought back up, and there's tears in the eyes and, and the cracked voice, which you don't see a whole lot. You know, from mm-hmm. from him, and and it's there was that real passion there. J. Bob Thomas, another JUCO guy coming in. That's how they knew each other, and uh, I love that story. You know, he's he's sleeping on couches and and had been working for three months before the the university pinned him down and made him talk about salary and paycheck. And I like the way you put that as far as the guys they're bringing in. It is blue collar. They seem to find a group of guys that are high character guys that can take care of business and get to work on a daily basis. And I'm not saying everybody's running Bible study, although there's plenty of those guys in the mix. But if you're not fitting within that program or that's not your mentality or that's not the personality, those guys are gone before the fall starts. You know, And, and it's it's been impressive to see there's always two or three that don't have that level of character they need, and, and they move on very quickly. And so, yeah, I, I listened to you guys talk about that. Uh, what was Kendall's ch- uh, plug and chug? Plug and chug. That's yeah. Right. There it that's is. Right. So that awesome. that's uh yeah. It was great, and and that was that. That's very much the feeling, you know, here as well. And it's just been fun to be a part of the ride. Obviously, there's a lot of attention now and expectations, but I think those run all the way through the program too. And so that's a lot of fun, also. But 
you guys talked about as you went through Jeopardy and, and preseason 25s and all that stuff. And this is my last question for you, Runes. You talked a lot about UConn, and this is the only schedule thing or deep down tech thing I want to get into. Tech has a four game series with those guys at the beginning of spring break. It's a Friday through Monday here in Lubbock. And I'd love to just hear a little bit about, you know, UConn and what you guys were sharing about them and then, you know, thinking about that matchup and what it'll be, because at least as far as the non-con outside of the Shriners and the Rangers classic, that's a big non-conference matchup for the Red Raiders. Yeah, I would say, I mean, you know, UConn is a program that, that, you know, obviously polar opposites from a regional standpoint, but you know, Jim Penders up there, there's a little bit of, of tads in him where he went to UConn. He's the perfect coach for that program. You know, they're way up in the Northeast. They have brutal weather, but they just have a real toughness to them because of that. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, I I think the other thing to know about UConn is, you know, first of all, let me let me give you guys their schedule. So they they just play everybody in the non-conference. So they're going to Virginia to open up. They're going to Southern Miss. They're going to Tech. I mean, you know, that, that is a great formula for just trying to get your brain speed in, but they're, they're not scared and, and they shouldn't be. They have a really, really talented team. I think before I kind of name some players, the other thing, Keith, is, you know, this is UConn was in the American. Now they're back in the Big East. They, they couldn't have been a worse fit in baseball for the American. It's a bunch <laughs> of Southern schools with big baseball traditions. And they more than held their own. They've been to the NCAA tournament six of the last 10 years. They hosted a regional in 2010, hosted a regional. They won a regional and went to a super regional in 2011, all under Jim Pender. So, you know, there's tradition here. Um, You know, I I would tell you that they've got a kid, Ben Kasparius, who's their Friday night guy. He's a transfer. He's a Connecticut kid who went to North Carolina out of high school as a two-way player. You know, even started a game in Omaha in 2018 for North Carolina. And, um, you know, he's got a chance to be a real legit Friday night guy. They've got pitching depth. Their pitching style is they really kind of stockpile power arms at the back of the bullpen and kind of almost manage the game backwards, if you will. Um, They've got a very old position player group. You know, they've got the Fedco brothers who are really good players. They got two sets of brothers, the Fedcos and the Winkles, who uh, it's two outfielders and a second baseman and a catcher. And another, a kid that you guys will really notice is a kid, Reggie Crawford, who's a reliever in their first baseman. He's like a 6'3", 225-pound, uh, really athletic kid. Looks like he could be playing Division One football or basketball. Had a great freshman year. Um, he's another kid that probably is a, a really high draft pick when it's all said and done. So you guys will enjoy UConn. That, you know, again, they're a northern team, so they'll be better in May than they will be in March. But they are very talented. Well, awesome. I'm looking forward to having them in. And it kind of every year there's a new marquee feeling kind of matchup. Oregon, Michigan was a sweep in Lubbock in 19. And then you saw how that turned out in the College World Series, kind of a turning point for that team, I think, as they went back out and blew the world up. But looking forward to having them in. And the schedule as we record this is not fully out yet for Red Raider fans, but we have bits and pieces of that. So excited for it. Well, thanks again for coming on, man, and thanks for your time today. And I think D1 Baseball does the best job in the game, and I'm so glad to see you there and bringing your perspective and personality. I think it's it's a fantastic fit, and, and congratulations on being there. Yeah, appreciate it. This was fun, Keith. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is awesome. Yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on. Thanks for giving me some time on a Saturday. I really appreciate it. Enjoy the season. It's coming. Will do, man. We'll see you down the road. Appreciate it. Have a good one. 
Well, that was Mike Rooney of D1Baseball.com and ESPN. Really appreciate Rooney's coming on with me. So we recorded that actually Saturday a couple weeks ago, and he gave me some of his time. As you heard, we both have day jobs, so it's nice to be able to do things on the weekend. Certainly helps the schedule out. But great ambassador for college baseball. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike underscore Rooney, and just great perspective, great personality. He's definitely an 80 as far as charisma goes and just uh, such a great spokesman for the sport and really brings a lot to the table. So really appreciate Runes coming on. Folks, we'll be back in your feed soon. We'll have a fall preview incoming. And make sure you get over to the brand-new website, redraiderdugout.com. Check that thing out. Randy and I are very excited about what we've got there for you. So excited also that Gus and George are a part of the mix, going to continue contributing. It's a lot of fun and just an opportunity to get a little bit more information regularly about Texas Tech baseball. Get over to RedRaiderDugout.com and check it out. We'll talk to you soon. Till then, wreck them. Thanks for tuning in to Dinger Derby and sharing our love for Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. You can connect with Keith on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Red Raider Dugout. And find more great tech baseball coverage at RedRaiderDugout.com. Help us out by rating us and leaving a review on iTunes. And remember to tell your friends about the show. Keith will be back soon with another episode of Dinger Derby. And until then, wreck em tech. Keep your hand on your gun. Don't you trust anyone There's just one kind of man that you can trust That's a dead man Or a gringo like me Be the first one to fire Every man is a liar There's just one kind of man who tells the truth That's a dead man Or a gringo like me 